Welcome to Duel for This Podcast, episode 19. We're just going to have a panel discussion today with our special guest, Steve Dunk from TheForce.net. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones. We're going to talk about Batman casting, Wolverine casting. We're going to talk about Dark Crystal and whatever else comes to mind. So let's not delay any further. On Nerd and Up Nerd, start. What's crack a lacking, my brother? Kev, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. No complaints. How you been? How you been this week? Uh, the week has been good, man. The week has been good. Um, just uh, right off the top, I just want to say congrats to the Toronto Raptors for winning World the champions. championship. World champions, world champions, world championship. You know, I'm so disappointed in myself. I gave up on them, like... I don't know, like eight years ago. I used to be a big Raptors fan back in the Chris Bosch days. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, of course. And I gave I gave up on them, and I just haven't been able to pay attention. And that I just I missed the whole damn phenomena. Okay. I, you know, I even missed the news about the 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 celebrations downtown. It was like a day and a half after it was all over. I found out the Raptors were champions. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Raptors fan in me is disappointed in myself, but uh, yeah. you know, yay, yay Toronto, yay yeah. Toronto. I, I will. I'll be the first to admit it. I I total bandwagoned this. Um, when I was in Mexico, we uh, we saw them make the finals, so we just caught the end. And then uh, I watched every game uh, when I got back. Um, great, great, uh, great. Um, like some good ball, <laughs> so good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and, and an exciting, really an exciting game. time to be in the city of Toronto. Like uh, Melinda oh. and I were down, we're downtown on on Friday night to mm-hmm. see um, the Book of Mormon um, at Ed oh, yeah. Theater, and we we spent some time strolling through Dundas Square, and oh, it's yeah. crazy down there right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. But I don't want to delay any further with chit chat because we have a special guest here waiting for yeah, us we do. tonight, and I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, if you're if you're familiar with me, uh, then you've probably been wondering uh, where this guy is, uh, how, why he hasn't been on the show yet. Uh, uh, you know, maybe I have too. I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> uh, please welcome um, intrepid reporter from TheForce.net and uh, my 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 um, my life partner, uh, my my very dear friend uh, Steve Dunk uh, from StokerChoke.com. Steve, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for that introduction, Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I tripped all over it. I tripped, uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's all right. It's all right. Uh, thank you, uh, Jeremy. Thank you, Kevin, for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for coming. Sure. Thank, you. Yeah, thank yeah. you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And for people who don't know, you know, the last time we saw Steve on a podcast with me was like 10 years ago, actually. It was actually 2009. Uh, Stoked or Choked podcast was was live. And, um, you know, a decade later, uh, you, sir, have become uh, an impressive figure in the fandom community. And I know you don't believe so. And I know you hate it. I know you. This is like your least favorite subject in the world is yourself. But please indulge me for a moment so I can just fill people in on on what you've been up to for the last decade. You, uh, you know, I, I, when I kind of quit fandom because uh, honestly, it was like painful for me uh, getting in fights with people over what movies to like and not to like. Uh, I, I had to step away from the whole thing. But but when I stepped away, you went to work, man. You busted your ass uh, as a reporter. Uh, writing articles for fandom websites and you climb the ladder and you are now uh, a reporter at 
what is widely considered to be the number one Star Wars fan site, and what is widely considered to be the original Star Wars fan site, TheForce.net. Um, I'm in personally impressed by you. If you go to TheForce.net and you and you read their masthead, uh, who the uh, the contributors are to that organization, Steve is like number four in that organization. Awesome. Uh, so. Really impressive to Star Wars fans anyway. Um, uh, so how's it been? What have you been up to for the last decade? Fill us in a little bit. Uh, no pressure. Well, no, yeah, 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 yeah. How it's, was your journey? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You make it sound more exciting than it was. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember after, you know, we had, uh, after Stoked or Soaked ended the website anyways, remember we kind of, we kind of just kept it going on Facebook for yeah, a while. Yeah, we tried a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it kind of just like hung around there for a long time and that was kind of fun for a while. And, and because it's a closed group, you're able to just, you know, keep out people who right. are just our friends are in there pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just kind of for fun, but yeah, no, sort of like the whole time I was always keep my eye out for different things. And then, uh, uh, you know, and then just sort of like worked my way through some other fan sites some blog sites, just sort of like contributing little things here or there. And then, you know, it's like sort of like a lot of things. It's like, uh, you know, being introduced to one opens a door to something else. And then, uh, you know, so a lot of it was confidence too, and you get some stuff out there and then, you know, you, uh, catch wind of maybe another site is looking for, looking for contributors or writers. And then you just sort of like, you know, throw your name in the hat and they say yes. And then you're like, okay, so now you really got to start focusing. And then, um, you just start writing more and writing more and writing more. And then, you know, it's eventually it just starts to work. I mean, you, you know, people start sending you emails and people start contacting you and, and, you know, like you start getting emails from fans and positive and negative and, and, uh, and then all of a sudden you're just in it it's kind of weird. And then the, the force that that thing kind of just came around. Like it just, you know, uh, they were looking for people and, and some of the stuff I did at the site previous to that one had, you know, a couple of pieces. Uh, it was an interview actually that caught their attention and, uh, here we are. So yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's funny how low key you are about it. And that's just you. I just want people to understand, um, you know, you could be the president of Lucasfilm, and you would you would be speaking in the exact same tone about it all, saying, you know, it's not as exciting as you as you think. It's it's a, that's just so typical, of Steve. But um, uh, when you say like it just kind of just came around, that is so not true. Like I watched from a distance, and honestly, I couldn't even I couldn't even take it all in because the prolific amount of work that you did, the amount like just the number of articles that you churned out, and and when I say articles. I want to like make people understand like you're not one of these writers like you don't just have like some Facebook page where you throw your opinion up. You're an actual journalist. You do research pieces. You get into the nitty gritty details. You wrote articles that I couldn't read because the minutia of the detail that you get into or, or that you have at least over across your body of work has been just way too nerdy and intense for me. And I just I, I just know that the level of work that you put in has been like inhuman, honestly, uh, all at the same time as, as maintaining a career. Like you have a full-time job completely separate from fandom that has nothing to do with your fandom uh, uh, the entire time. So uh, I just want people to understand that when you downplay it, uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of um, 
just the way you are. It's just you being humble, in my opinion, anyway. Um, well, it's just it's just not unique, though, either, right? Like, there's oh, of a lot, course. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of people doing, you know, working right. harder, even, and writing better things. And, like, all the, you know, there's so many writers that I look at and read and look up every day and and you know people i make a point of you know websites i make a point of visiting every day and and writers and and reviewers i still make a point of review you know right making sure just you know every day i make a point of reading their stuff and and uh you know i i just i think you know yeah i mean whatever i don't think my things are anything that special i think uh a lot of it is just uh, stuff that's it's either already sort of out there that maybe i just was able to find a different angle on or uh you know something that maybe just no one's hasn't necessarily thought of yet but i don't doesn't doesn't make it uh, you know a, an art form necessarily no. I just, um i just uh but yeah no i i just i mean i think like i have a list of writers who i think are just that write circles around uh you know anybody else on the planet right so i just sure. read their read their stuff and and i'm just completely blown away by it and, and and i don't and you know i don't even i don't even try to sort of reach that level at all i just kind of do what i do and uh and uh, yeah I think your writing is very much like like the way you speak. I, you, you're not flowery. You're not colorful. You don't try to paint in your own personality, your own opinions in it all. You are very informational. You present people with uh, with facts, with details, and and you present people with deep dives quite often uh, that they would not be able to have access to because it takes work. It takes work. It takes research to do the kind of work that you do, and I, I think that's what sets you apart. Uh, from you know ninety nine point nine percent of what's out there, uh, and, y- and your passion for the work shows. And I remember, I remember the moment when I felt like you had crossed uh, like a, a a border in my, like a mental border between like um, like casual fan uh, to like professional level writer. Is when I started reading your work, and I wasn't sure if it was you who wrote it because it kind of had an anonymous kind of like professional journalism feel to the writing where, you know, like when you first started writing, I annoyed the shit out of you. I know, uh, because I would like read your work and then I would send you corrections to like your grammar or like your phrasing and stuff. Um, and then you stopped like sending me your stuff for a while. It was funny to me. Um, but, um, you know, you know, coming back to it, like a year after that point, like your writing level had become so professional that I couldn't touch it. And sometimes I would just come across an article from the force.net. I start reading it and then I'd have to go check and see if you wrote it. Cause I couldn't tell. Um, and to me, uh, like that's just, uh, you, you had just have a level of professionalism. Um, and I, and I should stipulate, you know, your gig is not of, of a paying gigs in so far as you don't like earn a salary for this, but, um, you are as close to being a professional fandom journalist as you could possibly be without fully completely being a professional fandom journalist in that, um, you know, like, I don't know, I don't want to talk about it too much, but, and I'm sure you don't want it to either, but I know that like the force.net sends you traveling to different important comic cons, uh, around North America. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, but again, like that's not like yeah, it's just I mean, again, that's just not you. That's not unique either, right? Like, there's a lot of sites sending people to different events. And sure, sure. Stuff. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, to like yeah. the, the average fan, though. Like, how exciting is that? Like, you get like, well, like, tell, me, tell me about what what your itinerary is for this year. Like, where are you going? Just this yeah. Year? Well, I mean, it's 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was already a couple, I'm already three deep now, but yeah, there's still New York and then, uh, Atlanta and then Toronto again. So, but sure. But Star Wars Celebration. I was going to say, did you go to Celebration? Yeah, yeah. we did. And he oh, organized a panel there. Oh, nice. And I, yeah, I had a panel, uh, and then we had, and I was booking at the time too. So, uh, I was just busy sort of like, you know, booking guests for the whole weekend and, and, uh, arranging for people to get where they needed to be. But, uh, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, Chicago was, was crazy, but, uh, now it was really just a really busy time in star Wars. Like it's kind of, there's a bit of a lull right now, but which is nice actually, I'm enjoying it. And, uh, but yeah, no, as far as travel, like I, I mean, just the fact that, you know, uh, he, again, sort of what I touched on earlier is that, you know, like you start getting emails, right. I'm getting emails from people who want me to, uh, cover them or, you know, write something about them or, you know, uh, push one of their products or their, and their books. And that's a big one right now is, is books and publishing. So, um, you know, that's more of my focus these days, but so that was the big, I think that was a big switch for me. Like, uh, you know, when you stop chasing things and people start chasing you, that was a big right. one. But um, um, as far as the writing goes, I think if if I've improved at all, it's just just from just from writing so much. It'd be like anything right. else. Anything else, the more you do it, the better you should get at it. So, I mean, if it would be disappointing to hear if there wasn't any improvement after all that, but uh, right. so do yeah. You any, do you have any idea how many articles you've written? You no. probably have no no clue, right? No. No, no idea. What, what, what's your schedule these days? Like, how many? Like, how much do you write? Like, like, what are you churning out? Like, on a weekly basis? Honestly, right now, very little because I'm really just uh, I'm doing a lot of publishing stuff right now. So there's I'm there's a lot of stuff. The the site is kind of changing right now. Actually, it's in the middle of a lot of change right now. So I'm trying to usher in a different era of, of of coverage for the force.net. So that's taking up most of my time right now with booking, and we're looking at getting into documentaries and uh, and doing stuff like that. So it's 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 changing a lot right now. Yeah. And, so. and are, and you, and are you still booking uh, guests for the forced cast, the forced.net's podcast? Yeah, not, not a lot right now though, again, because like we're, our, again, our focus is can't say too much about it right now, but we're changing right, right. a lot of, of the type of coverage and stuff we're going to be doing. So it's, okay. it's, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's also just not a busy time right now at all for the type of stuff we do. Right. Like, um, we don't do a lot of, uh, you know, theory pieces and editorials. Right. So, and that's really, that's all that's out there right now. So, I mean, I just posted, uh, a review today for alphabet squadron. And so like, I'm doing all the reviews on the publishing side of things and then booking all the stuff for publishing. We've got some stuff coming up. That's really cool for that. And that's really my focus right now. But like, as far as like, you know, I know you guys like to talk about episode nine and all that other stuff but like that is so far from the that's way in the right. back of my head right like, that's not what you guys do <laughs> well it, it's just it's just like before december 20th i've got two dozen books that i need to read and review i've got two <laughs> tv shows that are two tv shows that are coming out that i gotta find coverage for and at the same time book ahead for stuff that some of the stuff we're planning on doing for next year and now we got to worry about anaheim next year already right so it's just right. like it's just nonstop. Like it's, it's just the film is just one of many things, but it's just so far ahead right now. I haven't even really had time to like, okay, think about like I, I don't like I know a couple of things about it. You know what I mean? But like yeah. that uh, isn't really like public knowledge. But like I don't have any like I really haven't even had time to like 
think you know i have no theories i have no like yeah yeah of course yeah of course, of course. I, no I, we're not gonna get into that we're not gonna we're not gonna make you talk about star wars and i'm gonna move on from the, all of this soon and I'm yeah. gonna, we're gonna talk about other stuff soon but um yeah I, i'm grinning from ear to ear right now because you just proved my point just letting you go on like that you just you just proved how impressive you are you have become well how important you have become in the fandom community and i, I love it um even though i know you will never think of yourself that way and it's awesome well, but, it's, just, uh, well it's just there's just there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work and better work and harder work that's of all. course so it's of not course. like it's not it's, it's not like I, it's just it's just nothing there's just not a single thing unique about it what yeah. i do except that's, except that's, that you had to work really hard and you had to be really passionate and you had to really bust your ass to get to the level that you're at right and there are there are like thousands and thousands of guys out there with youtube channels and podcasts and facebook pages who are just guys sitting in their basements who like who like hear about all the stuff you're involved with and start to salivate like it's like their dream come true but 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 could never do that and so i know that you're not very impressed with yourself but i'm saying like most of us out here in the world uh, are anyway. <laughs> uh, but let, before we move on, I just, do you have one favorite moment that you that sticks out to you? Is there one person that you interviewed? Is there one person that you booked for a show that you're excited that you spoke to? Is there is there just one standout moment for you so far? Uh, um, talking to John Favreau in Chicago was pretty good. Oh, I bet. Yeah, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. That that, that was really nice, and he couldn't have been nicer. And uh, that was pretty cool. And like, not even from a Star Wars perspective, just from uh, Jeremy knows I'm yeah. just huge, I'm just a huge cinephile. So yeah. um, just from a movie perspective, from a fan of films, it was just anytime I get to meet anybody who's been entrenched in Hollywood for so long. And that's the thing: the guy's been <sighs> you know on both sides of the camera. He's a, he's like a quadruple threat, right? Directing, writing, producing, oh, acting. Guys like. Yeah, he's just he's just a major major Hollywood player right now, and and then Jeremy knows this too. I'm way more fascinated with process than I am with products. So like, yeah. um, I'd rather talk to a writer over an actor any like 99 times out of 100. He'd rather he'd rather talk to a lighting guy than an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just to me it's more it's art is process to me, not product, right? So I'd rather like you know. Uh, it's anytime you get to meet somebody who's d deeply entrenched in the Hollywood system like that. And he's like, these are some serious, this is some serious shit going on. Like with these guys when they're at, when they're at that level. So any chance you get, get to meet one of those guys is just a thrill. So I can't think of anything off the top of my head. That was the most recent one. That's where awesome. I, where he, I was just like, uh, he seems like stoked. a really down to earth kind of guy too. He could have been nicer. Oh, could have really? been nicer. Okay. Yeah, it's just super nice, super friendly. And I mean, he had like this, it was funny. He had sort of this group of people around him at the time and, Somebody else was nearby and they wanted to hand him something. I can't remember if it was, it was like a, maybe it was a pin or a button. I can't remember, but like, <laughs> it was like, somebody was like, Hey, John, Hey, here's this thing, whatever. And then one of his, like, it was almost like CIA guys, like secret service, like <laughs> shot an arm out in between this guy and John and like, you know, like it was an assassination attempt almost and like had to yeah. like take the button and like inspect it first and make sure it was okay. And then he handed it to Favreau and, wow. um, but, wow. it, but that's, but that wasn't because Favreau was being, you know, a, no, jerk, that's, a jerk at all. It was just, it was just like, that's the type of thing that was that. on, but yeah, he needs it. Otherwise for, he couldn't forget it. Right. But, yeah. um, but he, yeah, he was, I mean, from all the people I've ever spoken to that spend time with him, uh, pretty, just yeah, super down to earth, super nice. Just yeah. really happy to be what he's doing. Yeah, Pretty, yeah, like really, just really stoked. You know what? Part of everything. 
that that story really resonates with me for a bunch of reasons. A, um, like John Favreau is so so much meaning and importance to me because like Swingers was so important to me when it, oh, yeah. when it, when it was first out. Like me, my friends and I used to watch that movie like daily, and John Favreau was like a hero to me all the way back then uh, in the Swingers era, and and he was kind of like um, Kevin Smith if Kevin Smith had gone right in the rest of his career after mm-hmm. his, he broke out, like uh, just watching his career the entire time has just been such a just wonderful feeling for me. And um, when you said, when you mentioned that story, when you talk, when you're telling that story, you said somebody walked up to him to hand him a pin. That's probably somebody promoting something like their website or their podcast or something. Right. And you reminded me of when, when you and I interviewed Kevin Smith uh, in Toronto, like back in 2008 or whatever which, it was, which is, which is the story I still tell the most. Right, right, right. And and when we brought him a StokedOrChoked.com t-shirt that we made yeah. specially for him, it was a 3X, I think it was. Um, but we made sure we made one large enough to give to Kevin Smith when we met him mm-hmm. and how excited we were when he held up our shirt with the logo on it, right? Um, and, and I'm just saying, look how far you've come, right? From that moment, uh, you know, 10 years ago to to being the guy standing next to John Favreau when the fan walks up to hand him the button. Uh, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, but I I tell that Kevin Smith story a lot still. I think that's I love that story. I think it's so yeah. funny and just the whole thing. And the interview is still on YouTube. People can find it. Just search uh, "stoked or choked." Stephen Jair interview Kevin Smith. Uh, it's still up there. Um, we, oh, I, just, I also I, I really it's interesting. I mean, the whole day was kind of funny and ridiculous in so many ways. But I also like I think a lot about where he was at his point in his career, like. Remember, he had just finished Cop Out. He was just starting to make Red State. Um, Cop Out hadn't come out yet, though, right? No, he just he just finished making yeah, it, right? And he, and he was telling us all about what it was like on set with, you know, Morgan and Bruce Willis. And, and then he was talking about making this movie Red State. Red and State. Remember, and, uh, and then we talked about, like, the Canadian trilogy that he was coming out. And he was just, remember, we had that early great conversation. It was just an interesting yeah. time for him uh, yeah. in his career because it's kind of like... I mean, it didn't go. I don't know. Cop Out was a big, big movie for him, right? That he, right. It was like it was like a big news story. Is this going to succeed? Is Kevin Smith going to break into the mainstream? Well, it was the first movie that he just directed. Yeah, because he right? didn't write it. Yeah, he didn't right. write it. Yeah. So and it compl- and it like kind of ruined his career, right? I mean, like yeah, for sure. It, I don't know if it ruined. Maybe it didn't ruin it. It's too too strong of a word. But it definitely it definitely like no more it, big studios wanted to hire. Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, which is it's like it's it's shocking to me, honestly, that there are so many comic book movies being made and that Kevin Smith is such an icon in the comic book world um, and and hasn't made one of the big like brand name comic book movies yet. Like none of them. They haven't they haven't trusted him with anything. Like he almost did the Superman thing. Right. And that's a famous story that he still tells, but that was so long ago. Right. And he's, he's still here. Right. And it's like, uh, you know, he, he does a podcast where he talks about how Kevin Feige calls him to talk about what's happening in the Marvel films. Uh, But like the, the subtext is always there that it's like, he's always hoping Kevin Feige is going to be calling him to offer him a fucking job. (laughs) He never does. Right. So uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, well, they even, you know, there was that Captain Marvel shout out and, and all this other stuff, right? Yes, like yes. He's, he, he's like there, but not, it's like they want to, 
I don't they know. They want to include him, but like yeah. they will not let him fucking direct something. <laughs> they won't give him the keys to the car, but they'll let him, yeah, like ride shotgun or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but they're like, but they're, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. It's for sure, it's true. But uh, that's anyway. a good, good segue to Batman. If you want to talk about Batman, <laughs> uh, no, we're gonna save uh, teaser. We're gonna talk about Batman casting later. But first, Kevin, are you ready? Yeah. Um... First, first topic. Seven Hells. It's time once again for another edition of Two for this podcast. Game of discussion. How was that? I miss this song. I want to um, play. I missed that song. I missed it. It just it just dawned on me, dawned on me that we have kind of a there's a funny dynamic right now. We have like kind of all three levels, right? We have you know Jeremy who's you know read it all and and seen it all, and Kevin who just watched season eight, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. Have you have you seen anything else besides season eight? Uh, I okay. So um, back around season three, I started season one. And I got to about, uh, I want to say two or three episodes into season two and I just kind of gave up. Okay. <laughs> and then and I, I, I'm, yeah. and I'm super late to Game of Thrones. Like it was a, maybe less than two years ago. And then I just sort of binged it all. So I'm like, I've seen it all, but yeah. I haven't read, I haven't read a stitch of the books. I don't know anything about the books, okay. but I have uh, been watching a lot of YouTube Game of Thrones stuff the last little while. Right. And it's, it's like my obsession with. Tormund is is off the charts right now. Uh, we should talk about who you're watching on YouTube because I have some really strong opinions on Game of Thrones YouTubers. There's like five or six of them that I follow, and like some of them I love, and some of them I hate. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious. I'm really curious who you're watching. But I wanted to point out here while you're while you're talking about your late coming to Game of Thrones that like let me just express. Um, that I had years of suffering. And Kevin, I just want you to know, it was years of suffering where, um, like, hanging out with Steve, talking about everything, but not being able to talk about Game of Thrones. And just, like, at the end of each of our conversations, just throwing in a, a weak, limp-wristed, you really should watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> because <laughs> because I, I, I never thought he would. I, I, thought he was never, I thought it was never going to happen. I really thought, I was like, this is the thing that I want to talk about more than anything. You know, almost as much as, like, equally to Star Wars, actually. Um, and we, we, we spent hours talking about Star Wars back when it wasn't his, like, career and he wasn't tired of it all the time. Yeah. Um, but um, I spent years just wishing Steve would watch Game of Thrones, and now that he finally has, and we could finally talk about it, this might be the first real Game of Thrones discussion we've ever had, Steve. I, I feel like um, I sh- it's worth it's worth noting too, though, that like I'm still not like you know what I mean. Just because I'm caught up on the show, right? I'm like I'm not. You're not steeped. No, and I'm not going to go read the books. Like I have no desire. The show hasn't made okay. me want to go read the books. Okay. I might. I might. I might when they start coming out again, maybe I'll, maybe, but I was going, I was going to ask you if you're going to read the next book because it's going to cover what we covered on the show, but it's going to like, for me, I'm super excited about the next book now, but it's like, you know what it's like? And I keep, I keep comparing this to like being a Nirvana fan in the nineties, right? If you were a fan of Nirvana for bleach, right? By the time you got to in utero, you were so sick of, like the newcomer Nirvana fans, right? That's how I felt about 
fans of the TV show by season eight. Like, as a book fan, I was just like, I can't wait for all of these late coming TV show fans to just go away so I can get excited about the next book coming out again. And it can fill in all these plot holes in the show for me. So uh, do you feel like you might be interested in the next book for any of that reason? Uh, I don't know. It's funny because even still, I'm like, anytime I talk to anybody about Game of Thrones, I always like add some pretext. I'm, I always start every sentence with, now I haven't read the books. Right. And, right? So I always make people aware that I like, I, oh, I'm always like deterring to people who read the books for knowledge and any background right. character information or anything like real deep dive stuff right okay, i'm always so, doing that so so just as a tv show how did you feel now that game of thrones is over and you've had a little time to digest it looking back on it how do you feel about the whole thing top line reaction uh i think i think it's an incredibly well-made show i mean like the last you know there's nobody that can can convince me that the last two seasons weren't uh, the, weren't paced very well. It's clear clear they were you know they're wrapping up things too quickly. You can tell. Right. Like, pa- right. Pacing pacing is a product of writing and editing, right? And so bad pacing means one or both of those things is lacking. So uh, in, in the case of season eight, especially both both were lacking. Uh, right. in, in the case of season season seven, I thought. Um, the editing was has, was good, but I thought the writing wasn't as good. So, um, you know, that's why pacing felt off in season seven. Season eight, it was just a combination of both. I understand why they did it. I, I still don't understand why they just couldn't have made more without Benioff and Weiss. I still haven't read or heard why. Like, it had to be them or nobody. You would know. I don't. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know that it... Hmm, I think that was just that was just like a... Because we know, because we know HBO loyalty. wanted to do. I think HBO it was wanted loyalty. to do more, though, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. They yeah. offered Benioff and Weiss a ton more money to do more episodes. Benioff and Weiss said no. Uh, they turned it down. They were ready to move on to their next projects, um, and they also feared uh, that the audience was going to get bored. Um, so, um, like, I, 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 I totally empathize with that fear because I remember watching the show in season three and season four and feeling like, wow, if this is going to keep being this slow, like I, I was starting to get a little bored and I was wondering like how long it was going to take us to get to the end. And I, I, I didn't know that I didn't know that it could stay as exciting and as popular as it was if they took the amount of time that it necessarily would take to tell the books properly. So I don't like I like personally I don't really hold it against them, but I do under I do absolutely agree that season seven eight were rushed that they were hitting bullet points um, and they were just ticking them off exactly the way I felt about George Lucas in Revenge of the Sith he was just he had all these bullet points he had to tick off um, and it, and um, yeah I agree that the the last couple seasons were rushed but um, I like uh. Benioff and Weiss, um, they were in a tough spot, I think, and I and I think I, that I, I, I don't have a problem with them leaving. I, I just don't understand why the, at some point people didn't come into the room and say, "Listen, instead of a shortened final season, which is clearly we're clearly rushing to the finish line here, let's." There's, I don't understand why they couldn't have just said, "You know what? We're totally fine if you guys want to bring two other guys in, or one other girl in, or two girls, or whoever, to wrap this up in the way it should be wrapped up." Or 
you know, wait for the books, whatever, wait for the books to come out, whatever, because adapting books to the screen is impossible. Number one, I mean, Lord of the Rings would be 28 films long. Right. And, and some of those films would just be three hours of walking and singing. So, um, it's, you're never going to get a direct straight to screen adaptation. You're not going to get it. So, um, and since they're already working past the books at that point, I don't, it made, made no sense to me why you couldn't just bring in somebody else to run the show for another, for one more season. You're right, and I and I, you know, it's never been explicitly explained. There are some writers that they utilized, and some directors that they utilized that were big fan favorites. Who the fans said, you know, why don't you just take sit back and take an executive producer role and let these creators who you've already trusted just take over? We love them, and we know that they can give us good good work. And I think, like my my reading of it, even though it hasn't been explicitly stated, is just that Benioff and Weiss have like a like an artistic like ownership kind of feeling about it. Like this is our baby and we think it needs to be exactly this way. And I think HBO just gave, just showed them loyalty. Like you've done, you've made us so much money. Um, you know, however you want to do it is however we're going to do it. Um, especially, and I, and at the same time, they put five spinoff series into pre-production. Right. And that was at exactly the same time. So HBO was clearly panicking about, this thing wrapping up and this thing maybe not wrapping up satisfactorily. So they're like, we're going to flood the field with all this new game of Thrones news. And, and hopefully it'll be okay that Benioff and Weiss are about to piss everybody off a little bit. Well, yeah. And there's also like not copycats coming, but there's, there's lots of high fantasy yeah. stuff, stuff coming in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years. So they're going to have competition. They didn't have before. Yes. Um, but also by extending it even a little further, it would have kept Kit Harrington out of rehab, out of deep, deep therapy in Connecticut too, right? So um, he would, <laughs> he he might not be the mess he is right now. Yeah, yeah, he's got a gambling problem. I hear like Ben Affleck. Oh, gam- oh gambling. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just stress and alcohol. Oh, uh, well, maybe it's probably alcohol and drugs too. It usually is a combination with that kind of thing, but. Um, uh, I hear that the, that the gambling is the problem. Like maybe all the Game of Thrones money is going away on the blackjack table. Um, uh, maybe I don't know. I like this is just the kind of thing that I have uh, read here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, and I I probably agree. Like I I kind of wish Benioff and Weiss had had let us have a full length season eight. Uh, season seven and a full length season eight, at least, you know, uh, George Martin himself said there could have been 12 or 13 seasons. Um, and he would have preferred that because, you know, that's more money for him, but, uh, and more time for him to finish the next book. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, um, I, none of it, like, listen, when the books come out, right. And, you know, you're, you're not likely to please everybody, but, you know, one of two things is going to happen, right? Everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, see, we told you. Or they'll be even angrier at the show, right? So, I mean, right. Or, or, and to, to the point where they just disregard the show and they treat, they treat them both as just like separate canon, right? right. Separate, almost separate universes. Right. Because, like, it's clear, even just from watching, if you just watch the TV show, they set up stuff in season one, even episode one, that right. pays, pays off in season eight. Like, yes. it's, it's not. You know, there's a there's a complete thing there, but there's just like they give you the beginning and the end, but not necessarily the stuff in the middle. So it's just um, Bran is the first point of view character in the first book. The first chapter of the first book is a Bran point of view chapter, and it begins 
oh, sorry, it's actually the second chapter. The first, the first part is the White Walker stuff north of the wall. But then the first, like, characters, uh, like, anyway, main characters is Bran. And it begins with Ned Stark teaching him a hard lesson about ruling, about, about what it means to be a ruler. At, like, it is so obvious that George R. R. Martin's intention was for Bran to to sit on the Iron Throne at the end of this. He like he might as well have been jumping up and down screaming it. Um, what what has struck me uh, actually? My new thought because I don't really have a lot of of new things to say that hasn't been said a thousand times by me. But um, the whole time I'm watching Game of Thrones, when I'm thinking about how it's going to end, when I'm trying to imagine how this is going to all wrap up, I always go back to an early interview that Martin did where he talks about how the whole thing for him, yes, it is um, uh, really influenced by Lord of the Rings. And yes, it is kind of a response to Lord of the Rings and especially how the ending of Lord of the Rings never stuck with George R. R. Martin. He did not like that Tolkien tried to sell us that when you put Aragorn, when you put one good man on the throne, the realm lives happily ever after, because that's just not the way it works in real life. That the things would not be happily ever after. The problems of the realm would not be solved. And Martin wanted to show a practical alternative to that. He wanted to say, no, it wouldn't go that way. It would go more this way. And what never occurred to me um, in, in all those years of trying to figure out how this was going to end was that on top of him not thinking that Aragorn should be king. So it was obvious to me that Jon Snow was never going to sit on the Iron Throne because Jon Snow was Aragorn uh, in the story. Uh, what should have been obvious to me, what was exciting, the revelation, was that Bran was going to be king because Bran is Frodo. Bran takes the same kind of journey that Frodo takes. He's the same kind of character. He looks like him. He Bran is Frodo in this story. So what what I'm taking from all of this now is on top of George Martin didn't think Aragorn should be king. George Martin thought this is bullshit. Frodo should be king because Frodo is the one who went through all the sacrifice, went through all the pain of the hero's journey. Aragorn was just hanging out. So I'm picturing George Martin as a kid reading Lord of the Rings and coming to the end and just being so pissed off that Frodo, his hero, didn't get to be the king, that he ends up writing Game of Thrones to fix that. That's my take, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the the thing with uh, Aragorn, though, is he has the lineage, right? So there's kind of no getting... once you once, There's no getting away from that once you go down that path. So, sure. you know, if you're going to commit to, you know, uh, having a situation where somebody who isn't lineage or isn't blood takes over, then, then you've got to you've got a different thing altogether, but you know what you've got, you've got the ending of game of Thrones where, well, you, have, where you have an elected council picking the King. Sure. And right. then but the, 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 the big difference though, too, is between the two is like Lord of the Rings is like geographically stunted. Right. And at no point, like there's always more people, there's always more soldiers and population on screen. Game of Thrones does, you know, if it does anything well, it shows you population. It shows you uh, the different parts of Westeros, in great detail, it shows you the population that's being affected by the wars that are going on in this battle over the throne. The Lord of the Rings never did that, right. so you you know you have a set, you have more of a sense of of what's at stake in Game of Thrones than you ever did at Lord of the Rings. So Absolutely. when so so when Aragorn is king, you don't you just buy that he'll fix everything because you don't really buy that there's a lot of people that need fixing. <laughs> 
That's true. It does seem like an empty world in Lord of the Rings, right? Like it doesn't seem like it's very populated. Right. So that's, like it's, it's got heroes yeah. and villains and that's it. And <laughs> also too, like in a weird way, Frodo is like, he kind of wins anyways. I mean, he gets to go to that, to the Highlands, right? I mean, that's the cool thing, place to go, obviously. So like, look, it's like that. This is kind of like best, going to heaven though. Like, all the best. I know it's, it's, it's essentially he's going to die. Right. But at right. the same time, it's like all the best people from Lord of the Rings are on that boat. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. like, you know, like, you're not, it's like, if you, that, if, where are you going to go? Like Gondor, or are you going to go on that boat to the great Highlands? You're going to the Highlands, right? For sure. You right, are right. Uh, to me, that is telling about George Martin, right? Like, like he's a Machiavellian guy. Like you could tell by his writing style and his subverting of expectations and his yanking the rug out from under you. Um, he's like, he's just like that. He's, he thought Frodo's reward was bullshit that the real reward was the power. And, and, and that's what Frodo should have got to give him a satisfying ending. And, and uh, right, it's interesting. And it just tells you more about the, about Martin. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's fascinating. Right, and I think I think the one of the bigger I, I think I, I don't know I'm assuming that one of the bigger differences will be that will be John's fate in the books because I mean he basically has no punishment he gets exactly what he wants he says three episodes before that he wished he was going to live in the north the true north anyways yeah. right so it's like really he didn't he's not suffering at all he hated the south he didn't want he didn't want to be king he hated the south no, other than having John got uh, a happy ending. Yeah, 100% happy ending, right? All the Starks did. Except for his heartbreak over killing Daenerys because he he's got to live. Her. He's got to live with that for sure. But like he's he's where he wants to be. He's yep. more or less who he wants to be with. His family's in great shape. They're all the ruling bodies now. Now there's two kingdoms, I guess, right? Six and yes. one. Yep. So like that's a really, it's a Hollywood ending. I'll be shocked if that's the way it goes in the books, but I we'll, we'll see. Um, I won't. I, I expect John to have a happy ending just like this. Um, but I think what the, the subverse, the subversion of John's ending is that he's not sitting on the iron throne, right? Because we spend so much time, like we find out that he is the true heir to the iron throne. And then the whole kind of drama, which really wasn't told as well in the show, as I'm hoping it will be told in the books, the whole real drama is this whole, is it going to be John or Daenerys at the end? And are they going to have to fight each other for it? And the answer turns out to be, well, they kind of have to do fight each other, but it's going to be neither of them. And that's the subversion. And that the, it is actually a happy ending for John because it is actually what he truly wants, but maybe for the fan, it's not the happy ending because we, we all wanted Ned Stark to sit on that iron throne in season one. And the subversion was, that's never going to happen. Um, and I, I feel like maybe that's what was the intention, the storytelling intention with John. Um, so I think maybe um, it, it's not supposed to read as happy as it does on the show is what I'm I, saying. I think I'll, I think more than any other show too, and maybe even any other movie I can think of, like it has such a strong character point of view as far as like audience participation goes. So, you know, everyone clearly had not, maybe not necessarily who they thought was going to be in charge of the end, but who they wanted to be in charge of the right. end. Right. And uh, so, you know, let's say there's a li there's six possible candidates, you know, so the audience is divided up five, we'll just say five ways for easy math. So, you know, only 20% of the audience is happy. At, right. at any at any given yeah, time, absolutely. At any, at any given time, so absolutely right. Eighty eighty percent of the audience left that episode unhappy. So uh, George Martin's job, if he thinks it's his job at all, is to fill fill in the blanks and and fill in those great answer all the questions that everybody has. Like you know, why didn't you know John get burnt to death after he killed Daenerys and uh, you know all that stuff. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Game, um, 
Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones, awesome. Um, I, you know what? One thing I want to talk about that, that I'm a little bit disappointed uh, is is the role, uh, how what Jon Snow's role became in the in season eight. Because I feel like he was intentionally gutted, even though they hit the bullet points they were supposed to hit. He rides the dragon. He uh, kills Daenerys at the end. Um, and then he, you know, goes off and lives with the wildlings or, and, you know, ranging north of the wall. He's back. He's back in the Night's Watch. Uh, so a lot of people were saying he's the new Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. I don't think we ever get that confirmation. I don't know that he's going to be the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch again. I think he's going to be a ranger ranging north of the wall. Um, but um, he they, they, he wasn't the hero. Uh, you know, like I remember texting Steve um, in the, the second last episode um when when john uh rescues that woman from being raped by the northern soldier in that battle scene i remember texting steve oh my god john snow did something because like they they totally pulled him out of the narrative so that they could give hero moments to like aria and uh i don't know if that aria night king thing is going to happen in the books at all because the night king is not in the books like he might get introduced in the next book but there is no night king in the books the dead have no fucking leader in the books, um, they, there's White Walkers and there's and there's White, um, but um, there's no King of the White Walkers. Uh, so um, that whole Arya thing, which was weird, um, but was a big hero moment for her in the show, and I, I love that she got it. I love Arya. Um, that might not even happen in the books. So like this whole John not being the hero for like like the whole a good section of the end of this story. Um, may not happen in the books, and I have a feeling it won't. I have a feeling there were some intentional decisions, and I don't want to get all you know right wing and you know SJW you know bashing about this because that's not me at all. Like I'm totally, I totally support catering to uh, to un- underserviced segments of the audience when that's appropriate, and I think that was done appropriately in a lot of places here. But um, I feel like Jon Snow is the hero of this thing, and 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 they kind of suck that out of it in the last couple of seasons um to 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 push you know other characters that they felt um needed more tv time and um yeah uh as a fan i was like where's john a lot in the last in the last season um but i still love that everybody knows that um and, and I, I i still think it's the greatest television show ever made and um uh like i said i'm super excited for the next books to come out to fill in what i perceive to be some of the plot holes that happened from rushing the last two seasons which is what oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> all right okay and with that we shall move on to our next topic um which is the dark crystal do we care dark crystal yes the dark crystal so we have the new dark crystal tv series coming out very soon, August August thirtieth, uh, I, th- I think it is thirty first, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were excited. This tra- they they put out a big trailer right after the Game of Thrones finale to like try to hook you know the I think the fantasy audience in to say, look, there's this new fantasy thing coming. And in the heat of that moment, I was excited. I I, I know, this show looks like it has an impressive cast, um, impressive well, creative cast is- team. Cast is ridiculous, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I, f- I fondly remember the Dark Crystal um, movie from uh, from my childhood, but I have to admit, I I was telling myself, oh, I'm going to have to go rewatch this and probably do a review episode of it because I don't know anything about the plot of it. I remember watching it as a kid and not being able to even understand what the characters were saying because a lot of the puppets, you know, you keep, and 
and the way their mouth moved was like not very natural. And um, a lot of the dialogue in this, there's a lot of like weird alien character names and um, and just dialogue that was like really unfamiliar uh, because of like, you know, just a lot of fantasy naming um, that when I was a kid, I don't think I really followed it uh, that well. And I and it never really sunk into me as a like, this is my favorite character. This is my favorite part. I just remember thinking, oh, this looks cool. This sounds cool. Yeah, uh, I I uh, I bought it like a few years back on uh, DVD and watching it, rewatching it, I do agree. Um, I don't remember it that well as a kid, but I did enjoy it as an adult. You know, what I'm uh, yeah, I remember enjoying it as remember, a kid. Yeah, I did like it, but it's like you yeah, said, like following but, the story was a little bit probably difficult, but um. I, you know, we look at so many things, you know, when obviously it's an obvious statement, but we, we look at things through different lenses when you're kids. Right. Yes. So, uh, and you know, as a kid, you're, you're more enamored with the flash and bang of something, but the fact is like the narrative never really lives up to the movies, you know, visual imagery. Right. So that, uh, and, but that's, but then when you, when you watch it as an adult, you're like, Oh, that's because the narrative isn't that complicated. <laughs> right. Like it's, just, it's, it's pretty basic. It's pretty simple. The script isn't that great. Like the pacing's not great. The editing's bad. Like this, there's just scenes that go on too long. Um, but it looks amazing. And that's what this new trailer, I'm just like shocked, like mm-hmm. at the faithfulness, the faithfulness they were able to pull off with this new series. I mean, I mean, it, based on the trailer anyways, the fidelity to the original is amazing, right? Yeah. Like it looks exactly like the same show. It looks, that, it looks. That's exactly so, what I was saying to Jeremy when I first saw the trailer. Jeremy accidentally left, by the way. <laughs> that's he'll, fine. he'll be back in. Um, yeah, yeah, his internet went down apparently, but yeah, no, that's exactly what I said to Jeremy. I'm like, did they dust off the original puppets for this show or did they make brand new puppets that look identical to the old ones? Just, and then, but then they're just using, you know, obviously the cameras are way better now. Right. But it's, 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 it's incredibly, you know, crisp and clear and everything, but, and, and, you know, when you read about it, they, they said like they went to great pains to, to make it look exactly the same. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh. So that it gives you that that nice, warm, fuzzy feeling when you see it, right? You've got that familiarity that you remember as a kid when you first saw those images. And you're like, oh, this looks so great. And this feels so great. And it looks great. It sounds great. It feels great. Yeah. Um, you know, but and and then but from 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 a children's high fantasy, you know, sort of Tokian, you know, homage, you don't really want an overly convoluted story anyways, right? You don't need a lot of you don't need a lot of exposition like a very Joseph Campbell stuff, right? You want to know here, you want to know who the heroes are. You want to know who the bad guys are. You want to know what quests they need to go on. And then they got to wrap that up in a certain amount of time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and you know, anyone going into this thinking like it's another like hidden fortress or something, it's just going to be disappointed. Like it's, it's, I think it's going to deliver exactly what it is supposed to deliver is, is, uh, you know, really great looking show and it's going to be easy enough to follow along that adults and kids can enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's what I'm expecting from it. I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I'm excited. I'm yeah. also excited for the Dark Crystal. I'm also excited for the Dark Crystal game that's coming out. Oh, there's a game uh, coming out. No, I did not know. Yeah, yeah, they just announced that at E3 last week. There's a oh, game okay. coming out. Okay, no, yeah, that part I did not so, know. Yeah, no, I yeah. did. I did enjoy this trailer, and like I said, um, watching it, um, I definitely felt the uh, retrospect. If that, 
I guess that's oh yeah. Um, it felt like watching the original movie, and I'm definitely looking forward to sitting down because, like I said, I bought it actually like a few years back. Uh, yeah, probably like five six years ago, and I did watch it when I bought it, but I haven't watched it since. <laughs> so um, yeah, I know if uh, Jeremy wants to do a uh, a review ep- episode, I'm definitely down to sit down and watch it again. I feel like I'm gonna have to anyway. So when I do sit down and watch the show, because I'm sure it's probably gonna be a direct um, conclusion. That's my guess, right? It looks like it. So. It's a prequel. Oh, is it a prequel? Oh, okay. Yeah, I take, it was yeah, a yeah, yeah. Takes, okay. No, no, it's a prequel. Yep. Okay. Yeah. For some yeah. So. Yeah. So the only uh, I think uh, Agra is the only reoccurring characters. You know, the old mystic lady. Yeah. Okay. No, I thought yeah, the, the, um, the two who's like whose who's boobs were hanging out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna be back. Uh, yeah, oh, like some of the Skeksky's, Skeksky's, Skeksky's will still be around. Yeah. But as far as like the leads go, like the the um, Gelflings, the, Gel- the Gelflings, Gelflings, are they're new as far as I know. I'd okay. have to look it up. But, I yeah. thought it was the, the same characters. No, it's not. No, okay. no, it's not. It's mostly not. Um, but the cast, the voice cast, is crazy. Like I looked it up uh, yeah. a couple of days ago, and like Taron Egerton and you know Anna Taylor Joy, Mark Hamill's in it. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg, uh, shit, who else? Like, there's a ton of people. Uh, Andy Samberg's in it. Like, yes, yeah, it's, yes, that's right. It's ridiculous. The cast is ridiculous. Helena Bottom Carter's in it. Yeah. David Chapman's in it. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. yeah, like, that's just off the top of my head. But I think, I remember reading the list a couple of days ago, and there was, like, 40 people in it, and, like, I knew every single one. Yeah, yeah. It Imagine was like, going yeah. to see Lonely Island next week in Detroit. <laughs> Andy oh, Samberg. like a live show. Nice. Yeah, yeah, no, they're actually, uh, they're playing a few shows in the States, so uh, myself and the girlfriend got tickets for the one in Detroit because it was the closest one to us. So, uh, yeah, we're heading down next week to go see them. I'm nice. looking forward to that. Okay. So. so I have an admission. I have never watched Citizen Kane all the way through because I, although I have tried multiple times, I have fallen asleep every <laughs> single time I have tried to watch Citizen Kane. It's funny because so, I've yet to watch it myself. <laughs> the other day, the other day, I decided I need to sit down and I need to revisit the Dark Crystal because I don't know shit about right. the Dark Crystal. I realized I realized I had no idea, so I sat down and I and I and I and I watched it. And I'm sorry, but I fell asleep about 45 minutes in. I didn't get through it, but I had a lot to say about it before I fell asleep. Like mm. I, I felt like. Um, it's so familiar. It's so Star Wars. Like it's it's J- Jim Henson wrote this, and Frank Oz, you know, it directed it. Is very 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 involved in it. It's basically the Sesame Street Muppet Show crew. Yeah. It's the same it's the same creative people who created Yoda and Dagobah for us. And it's this whole movie to me feels like um, it's Ewok Village and it's Endor, and then it's Ewok Village and then it's Endor, and then it's Ewok Village and then it's Endor, and there's like 20 different versions of the Ewoks, uh, including the Fraggles. The Fraggles are in this movie, but they're called the Podlings. Right. And 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 I think that I have a special perspective on this because of being a new dad. And for the last year, I have watched so much Sesame Street on a daily basis, um, including a lot of classic Frank Oz stuff, which I love. But I'm really in a Jim Henson like mind space for the last year. And I felt watching The Dark Crystal, I felt like you could have exchanged um, uh, the main Gelfling, Jen, 
who, by the way, uh, my reaction was, this looks like a, a Michael Jackson puppet, <laughs> uh, wow. like, like Captain Captain EO era Michael yeah. Jackson. Uh, that's who Jen reminds me of. Um, but you could have switched him for Cookie Monster, and the dialogue would have been exactly the same. The story beats would have been exactly the same. There were a couple of times Melinda was with me for a little bit of it. A couple of times I turned to her and I predicted the next line of dialogue because I was so familiar with all these Cookie Monster sketches that I had been watching that I know this writing. I know this directing. I know this creative team so well that um, the Dark Crystal to me really reads like a really long gothic episode of fraggle rock the dark and cookie. <laughs> yes yes so listen i am curious as heck about the the tv show dark dark crystal age of resistance mm-hmm. for all the things we've been talking about like there's a like there's a lot of great people involved in this um Absolutely. and 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 I, I I do enjoy watching the movie for the visuals and uh, and for this and for the 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 sounds it's got terrible editing it's got um, terrible writing. Uh, it's the story is directly stolen from Star Wars. Basically, this character is Luke Skywalker. But it starts puppetry. with puppetry. You can't. You it's can't, start, you can't diss the puppetry. But but you but you gotta you like when the when his wise master dies in the beginning of the movie and sends him on his quest and fades away and the blanket falls. Oh, no, it's like it's 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 the Yoda scene, like beat for beat. Uh, like the writing is like like stolen uh, from Star Wars, but. Um, still, I do have an affection for it. So, like covering well, it, it's, yeah. it's just a hero. It's just the hero's journey. It didn't steal from Star Wars. Sure, like Star Wars stole from some. Sure, but it's constantly stuff. in my head that they had just sure. made Empire Strikes sure. Back, right? right. Like, right. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and 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 I, I always heard that I always read that this was Jim Henson's real passion project. Like, this was his most important thing that he ever made to him. And I'm watching it, and I'm wondering why. It should, have been, think, it should have been going to the hospital, but anyway. I feel like I feel like he was making a statement like, "Look at what we do here at our studios. We don't need human beings to make these movies anymore. We can do it with Muppets, and we don't even need human actors." Which is not actually true because the characters are they do have humans in the costumes for stand-ins for some of the action scenes, yeah. Yeah. but. Um, uh, like watching this, I felt like this was Henson. Like this was his great statement. So what was the great statement? I felt like the great statement was like, like, like this is all us. Like the success of Star Wars, all that stuff that you loved, that was all us, and we can do that without anybody else. We can just do that ourselves. Look, um, and I, it, it kind of falls a little bit short for me in that capacity. If that was the intention, but um, still, this is a weird thing that I have an affection for. Um, like Willow, I'm more excited about, I think, um, because it's actual, it's actual George Lucas product. And, um, it's a, it's another fantasy thing that kind of fits in this same kind of niche. But, um, this Jim Henson thing is always going to feel like Sesame street to me is what I'm saying. So when we're covering it, I don't know if I'm going to hate it or love it yet. I guess it's a wait and see kind of thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. probably, you know, back then it would have been a direct response to, you know, Sesame Street, right? Like Jim Henson and Frank Oz were doing Sesame Street every day, seven days a week, you know, 20 hours a day, you know, right. uh, which was obviously entirely meant for kids and focused on, on kids. And the content was, you know, obviously, you know, G rated G. So like, obviously, you know, they just go home at night and just started probably pounding this, you know, this idea out thinking, man, we'd love to do puppets, but we want to do something a little dark, a little darker. Right. So um, it's incredibly dark. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's goth. Yeah. Like I said, like, 
it's scary and creepy without being like violent. Like there's like they, they have, there's like giant swords in it, but they don't fight each other with the giant swords. They 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 swing it at a giant rock and see who can break the rock to win. You know their their ceremony. So mm-hmm. like, but it is like kind of dark. Like at the same time, like as a kid, it's like. I'm a little bit scared of this. I'm a little bit bummed out by this, uh, but it's still like kid friendly at the same time. What's kind crazy of, to me, what's crazy to me actually. And again, when I was, I looked up a couple things the other day, uh, they spent $25 million on that movie in 19. Really? Yeah. Wow. And that would have, and that would have been like in 1980. Uh, well, it came out in 82. So let's say they 80 and 81 when I started making it, that's a lot of money for that. I don't Yeah, know. It's a huge project for that. Day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of money yeah. for an hour for an hour and a half film with just you know like, so I don't know. Yeah, that's. Anyways, I uh, uh, I mean I'm like I'm looking forward to the new series just from the from a nostalgia standpoint and it looks great. And, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I okay, well, we will we will see when the show comes if we can hang in with, in with it and if it becomes a permanent fixture in our coverage or not. Well, is, is it just a mini series or is this an ongoing? You won't. Thing? It's only ten. It's only ten episodes. Yeah, ten so, episodes. So yeah. you, 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 know, you could binge it and then cover the whole thing in one. That's yeah. long, longer than Game of Game. Like if we're covering it every week, like we covered Game of Thrones, that's longer than Game of Thrones, right? Well, so, um, I think I think we'll probably have to focus less. I think because we're going to have a couple of shows probably running simultaneously that we're going to want to cover once Mandalorian starts. I don't know if they're going to cross over, but I think they might um, a little well, bit. That's but, November, right? it, but. In November, there's going to be like three or four shows that start up. That we're but all the Disney Plus shows though are going to be weekly, right? They're not going to be bit, you're not going to be able to binge right. them. So right. you won't have any choice. You'll be like you're going to have to go by their schedule. Right, whereas, but we can binge this. Where Dark Netflix is, you'll be able to binge True. Dark Crystal. That's a yeah, good yeah. point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So that's that's a good X factor. I like that. Okay, um, so we move on to the next topic. Absolutely. Oh, God! All right then, Robert Pattinson is Batman. How do we feel, Steve? Go. Um, I am old enough to remember when they cast Heath Ledger as the Joker yeah. for the Dark Knight and the world lost, lost their collective minds. And of course, we all know how well that turned out. So um, I am not uh, I'm I'm a wait and see guy like I don't you know, Robert Pattinson has done well lately, like um, like Lost City of Z was good in uh, that L.A. Uh, Maps of the Stars. He was really good in. Hearing great things about the lighthouse out of out of the Cannes Film Festival, so I'm a wait and see. He's not what I picture, right? As a Bruce Wayne, doesn't jump to mind right away. I hope he. I definitely think he's got to put a couple of LBs on, but um, it's year one, so I guess I'm not worried about the usual thing where I need him to be a broken, scarred up individual because it's only it's it's year one Batman, so he shouldn't have any of that just yet. Um, we'll see. It's always harder to play Bruce Wayne than Batman, right? So. Um, if he can play Bruce Wayne, then he'll be good. But it's at this point, it's way too early for anyone to, to, to say anything other than we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Uh, when, when we were speculating about who we would be the next Batman, did you have a choice that you were hoping it would be that you are disappointed? Maybe you wish it would it had been someone else. You know, I didn't. I remember, you know, I didn't like any of the names I was hearing ever, right? I never liked uh, John Hamm. I just think is ridiculous. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, I never liked. Um, what were the other summer names? I don't even remember some of the other names going around. Uh, uh, I can't. Uh, the Baywatch guy. Uh, oh, Zach Efron. Yeah. Zach Efron. <laughs> yeah, he oh, was tossed Zach around. Efron? I don't remember hearing. Yeah, 
Um, so I, I never liked I, I don't Nicholas have, Holt was one that I heard. Right. Uh, well, Holt, no, it was down to Holt and, and Robert, uh, Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, for, for for the casting now. So I, I'm actually more interesting to see like who they cast as villains. They just announced there's going to be uh, what four villains. So um, I'm more interested to see who they cast in that. I'm also interested in finding out if this is going to connect to the uh, Todd Phillips Joker's movie at all. That's kind of more interesting to me. But that is a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, and and sort of what like. Because we know what Aronofsky had the year one script that he put around that he originally Christian Bale was supposed to be originally a part of. Right. And then also we know that he wanted Joaquin Phoenix to star in that movie as well. So are they basing it off that? Like, is it the long Halloween comic Batman run? Is it the Dark Knight? Uh, you know, comic book run? Is it the Killing Joke comic book run? We don't know what version of Batman and which version of Joker we're going to get yet. So we'll know more when we see actual footage. But Anyone that has an opinion on Pattinson playing Batman, it's is is just they just hate Robert Pattinson because they because it's it's just too it's way too early to tell. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Kev, what do you think? Um, I'm in the same boat. I'm a, a wait and see because um, I have no problem with Robert Pattinson. Uh, everyone's gonna compare him to um, or sorry when when you hear the name Robert Pattinson, you're gonna obviously think Twilight, but he's done other things outside of Twilight, like he like Steve mentioned. And um, there was another film that he watched, which I didn't watch the whole thing, but what I saw was really good. Was uh, Good Times, I think it was called, or Good Times. Oh, the the criminal, where he's yeah, the criminal guy, where yeah, his yeah, uh, brother, was, like, yeah, he yep, has to, like, bring yeah, that yeah, was good, right? So you yep. know, like, he's he's a good actor. Um, yeah, no, I can, I can, I'll, I'll wait and see. Just like, just like yeah. Steve said, um, I think uh, I'm yeah. always reminded of uh, right after they casted Ben Affleck. And they, I don't remember what talk show it was, but Matt Damon was on and they yeah. were asking and they said, Oh, you know, your buddy Ben's playing Batman now, you know, and everyone's freaking out. What do you think? And he's any, he, and Matt Damon said something along the lines of, uh, it's, it's not Shakespeare, right? Like it's yeah. Batman. Yeah. Like everyone just relax, right? Like, it's, mm. you know, they can, so it ended but up, how he, wrong was he? <laughs> he was, he was pretty wrong, but, uh, uh, but I think, the, but the overall, the overriding point was like, you know, let's, you know, it's not that complicated of a, of a role. Yeah. So it's just, a, it's a matter of like, you know, tone is big. Um, you know, he's playing it's year one. So it's early. How damaged do you play him at this point? Yeah. Right. Because, because it's not realistic. I mean, I don't know, like for someone to be that upset about their parents dying 30, 40 years later to me, doesn't make a lot of sense, but, yeah. um, but somebody who just lost them, uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. It makes, you know, or 15 years ago can make a little more sense. And the timeline works, too, because now we've established that his parents were killed in 81 and this is going to take place in the 90s. So, um, you know, if if that's the way they're going to do it, then that makes a lot of sense as far as the overall picture goes. But I I honestly I'm very excited about Joker that. I watch that trailer all the time. Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah, it's it so good. really good. Like, but I think they, so I, the, finally they're tackling like mental illness, which is great, which is something I wish they tackle with Batman actually. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm, fir- I'm firmly in the camp that he has a strong mental illness, but yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Pattinson doesn't, didn't immediately spring to mind when I no. ever thought of Bruce Wayne, but, um, listen, the, uh, the last two Planet of the Apes movies, especially War for the Planet of the Apes that Matt Reeves did, that was my favorite movie of that year. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, I think it's incredible. I think yep. he's he's a very talented director. I I have a lot of faith in him, and yep. um, 
I guess we'll see. I don't know. So, <laughs> okay, okay. One I'm, thing I, I wanted to throw in there real quick. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when they casted Michael Keaton. That was my. Batman. You just took my. You just took my talking point. <laughs> Sorry, dude. And um, <laughs> and I remember laughing at the money or uh, fuck. What movie was he big in that time? Gung Ho, I think it was. <laughs> right. Gung Ho was a great movie. Well, but I'm saying like that guy really. <laughs> Michael Keaton was a funny, funny comedian, and when he was cast as yeah. Batman, people people freaked out. Yeah, exactly. they hated it. Yeah. They they jumped up and down, screamed and yelled, "No, no, 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 no!" Yeah. And then Tim Burton gave us an iconic Batman film that defined the genre. I agree. And Mike, Michael Keaton is Batman and always will be Batman to me. So, um, absolutely point taken about Heath Ledger, yep. and totally agree. And my thoughts on Pat on Robert Pattinson are. Um, and Steve, this goes along with what you were saying a lot about Joker Phoenix Joker. Um, Joker Phoenix Joker, you can totally see his his character progression, um, him becoming uh, very similar to uh, the Joker from the Christopher Nolan uh, Dark Knight. Um, and I feel the same way about Robert Pattinson. If you're looking for a young Christian Bale, you've got your guy. That's right. him right, right there. So. Um, you know, if, if we're looking to, if we're looking for that lost Batman success from the Christopher Nolan era that, you know, Ben Affleck was never, was never able to live up to, was always, you know, always seemed lacking. I think we've got the right director. We've got probably the right actor. I mean, I don't, I don't have any problem with our pats. I don't, I'm not a Twilight fan, obviously, but yeah. that wasn't his fucking fault. No. And he, and he, and he has criticized he got, Twilight more paid. than anybody. He got paid. Yeah. Right. That was, um, uh, well, well right. listen, no, no young actor is going to turn down Twilight. So yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter about that stuff, but like the most important casting, I mean, uh, other than Batman, Bruce Wayne is in, in a year one Batman, uh, especially if they're going to do, like I, like I said, the long Halloween run, is uh alfred so yes uh bad bad guys don't matter as much as alfred because alfred similar to the gotham series like hell you know holds his hand a lot in year one so he's you know such a huge part of 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 that first year of batman of bruce wayne you know transforming into batman and uh like tact like actual tactical batman so mm -hmm. um it'll be it, you know who they cast is uh as alfred will be interesting to me and and there's a lot of people i think there was a some people saying it should be a woman or whatever, and I don't care if it's a woman or a man or I whatever. I just just I I think it's important that they cast that right. I don't care who it is. I just it's right. got it's got to be right because, um, uh, it's Alfred is, is that's when Alfred is key, and that's yes. and in in his in that stage in Batman's development and Bruce Wayne's development, uh, Alfred is key. So that's important. That's an important more important than than the villains in that in that film. So apparently, okay. uh, and, and Nicholas Harvey Dent. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Holtz might actually uh, get the roles the Riddler. That was the rumor that was floating around. Oh, yeah. Be good, which I would much rather see him play mm -hmm. the Riddler because Nicholas Holt to me is not. He doesn't have the gravitas of a Bruce Wayne. He's kind of whiny, and the Riddler is kind of a whiny character. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would totally enjoy that. So I think we're all in agreement. Our pats can play Batman, and we're all looking forward to seeing how it goes. Let's move on to our next topic. Kev, can you hit me one time? <laughs> Thank you. So recently, Keanu Reeves has been in the news a lot. He made an appearance at E3. He's in the coming. Is in the new uh, uh, game. The game that I'm most excited about uh, in the history of games, uh, Cyberpunk uh, 
2077. Um, and um, there's been a lot of talk about him uh, maybe stepping up and joining the MCU. And he has himself come out in interviews and said he would love to play Wolverine. Now, this is an interesting time for the MCU. Kevin Feige has said, we're going to sit and we're going to chill on X-Men. We're not going to be introducing them really soon. Um, so he really has nothing but air and opportunity, right? Like, Feige can make any decision he wants. He can, he can talk uh, to the, uh, to the uh, existing X-Men cast about bringing them back if he wants. Or he can just let people forget about them, take his time, reintroduce the X-Men, uh, you know, one exciting new actor at a time, and rebuild the MCU around them. Um, he's got nothing but opportunity here is what I'm saying. And nobody expects him to cast Wolverine uh, this early on in the game, but you've got Keanu Reeves now who I'm going to say is probably the hottest action star uh, in uh, right, right now, I think um, for, especially for discerning fans of like a more intelligent uh, fan, yeah. maybe. Um, John and, and you've just lost your Tony Stark. Uh, your 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 headline actor, uh, the, the anchor of the whole thing. Keanu Reeves steps up and says, "I want this." Um, are you forced, as Kevin Feige, to take a long, hard look and really think about casting Keanu Reeves as ba- as Wolverine now? Uh, I think there's zero chance Keanu Reeves plays Wolverine. But uh, uh, go ahead. And there's a, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think. I, I don't think they're going to cast that part for a very long time, like you just said. Right. I don't. I think the best thing they can do to get away from from you know the negativity surrounding Phoenix and Apocalypse and whatever else is to just take a long. They need to take a step back from it for a, I think a long time. Uh, I think there's other properties they just bought that need reinvention more than X Men do, frankly. Anyways, but. Um, also, they're just never going to cast. I mean, they're never going to cast Wolverine right. He should be what five foot one, uh, yeah. two hundred eighty pounds, covered in hair, and yeah. you know they're never and they're never going to cast that. But uh, I think Keanu Reeves will just be too old by then. I don't understand. I don't know why you would cast an older Wolverine. I don't know why you would make a film with an older Wolverine because, especially after Logan, that's the last time we remember Wolverine is Logan, mm-hmm. like in the, the the greatest Wolverine movie ever made. So. Um, I don't see how you do that. I, I to me, you're gonna you got to start over, and then you go with somebody younger. Yeah. See, I I think that your reaction is is yes, I, I you know absolutely bang on. But I, I I feel like the star power and the moment of Keanu Reeves does that not does that not hold enough weight to maybe maybe steer the ship like i know kevin feige is famous for not doing for not reacting like this like this would be maybe would be a move dc would make right keanu reeves comes out and says i want you to change make change all your plans just so you can have me in a movie dc would probably go oh shit yeah change everything feige probably wouldn't do that but yeah um, but yeah but, but yeah, it takes it takes a year and a half just to make a movie they don't have a script they don't have an idea yeah. he's he's still making another bill and ted's movie like yep. it's we're three or four years away from you know that happening right so and there's just there's just no way there's no way did you see see the fake leak that came out of mcu on twitter this week the promotional material that talks about weapon that talks about weapon x Uh, i did not okay there was a fake leak this week from mcu they're promoting something there's going to be an announcement i guess coming up soon they're going to release the rest of this but they released a, a document that was 
uh, the, the headline of it was do not release, not for release. And it was like a redacted document. And it was all about the history of the weapon plus program. And it talks about how captain America was the first was weapon one. And then it, it goes on all the way through and talks about weapon X in the, but it's all redacted. It's all blocked out, but it does like show you enough to say that, that, that Marvel is releasing some kind of promotional material that mentions Wolverine. It mentions Weapon X already. And just this week, this happened. So I, I feel like this is happening the week after this Keanu Reeves Wolverine story drops. I feel like it's not something I can ignore. I feel like it's... I, I can't discount it. I don't know. Kev? Well, you, also, sorry, really quick. Okay. Kev, um, you can't... The game has changed because of Disney Plus now. So... What necessarily may not work on the big screen will easily just get it. We can get can get an anthology or just a running series on Disney Plus now with the type of money they're they're spending on these shows. I mean, that was the whole thing behind like the the third series, the third Star Wars series, which is you know likely going to be a Kenobi series. And if you do the math, instead of it was originally supposed to be a Kenobi trilogy, instead you know so at six hours now they're just going to do six one hour episodes. So I mean you doesn't you don't you don't need to be a genius to figure that out. So but with this but with the same production value. So right. just because they don't do a Wolverine movie or an X-Men movie doesn't mean they can't throw something on their Disney Plus and it can be just as good and just as long and all that. So Yeah. Right. Okay. Kev thoughts on Keanu as Wolverine? Would um, you like to see it? you think he could play the character even? Uh personally I don't um, yeah. I don't know, just the voice alone, I, I, I don't buy it. But uh, I'm in the same boat, Steve, as uh, he's just gonna, he's just a little too old to play Wolverine. And if they're gonna bring a Wolverine, an old Wolverine, just bring back Hugh Jackman. Like, I don't see why they would switch him up for, you know, Keanu Reeves. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, um, did you also see the leak about the Fantastic Four thing, though? I uh, like with the Emily Blunt and the rock and no, and all, there was and, a, no. it was a spider web in the shape of a four. So right. I guess they're so trying to, they're trying to, has say there that. been any confirmation what that is though? Uh, because no, the hasn't. next, the next, the next day they released a spider web with a three. So yes. it was like a countdown. It's the, right. They're counting down to some Spider-Man announcement, but oh, okay. I haven't seen any confirmation about what it is. There has been, some fan, the there three. has been, Okay, there has been some Fantastic Four rumors though lately, so yeah. some cast rumors. Right, so like, right. and that's I mean that's listen, that's one of the the, the big three they just bought, right? They yeah. bought Deadpool, uh, X Men, and Fantastic Four. Yeah. So um, personally, I I think we're going to see a new Reed Richards before we see a new Wolverine because Reed Richards is probably going to be you know the spot that Tony Tony Stark is left missing, right? The genius right. who who's got to solve the problems you know with True. his brains. And also, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about Keanu Reeves, sorry, backtrack, um, there's also a rumor that he's going to be playing one of the, he might be cast as one of the Internals, I believe it is, Eternals. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing about uh, Keanu Reeves that's buzzing around the uh, MCU as well, apparently. That, e- that Eternals movie is going to be a big X Factor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, starring, uh, oh my God, I forget the name of the fam- most famous Hollywood actress. Uh, Brad Pitt's wife. Uh, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> Angelina Jolie, uh, starring in this Eternals movie. One of um, Paltrow's in the new Eternals movie. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, uh, personally, I think Wolverine is ageless. I think uh, he's 200 years old. It doesn't matter how old the actor is. If the actor can move and fight and, and be in decent physical condition, right. um, I, I think you can play Wolverine on screen. I don't think you need a young Wolverine. I don't think you should have a young Wolverine, honestly. I don't, I don't want a 25-year-old Wolverine. No, ever. but it depends on the story you want to, the story you want to tell. What exactly. stage of life, what stage of life is he at, right? Because he, because he lives so long and a lot of who he is are, are, are the things he's experienced, right? Lessons he's right. learned and pe- people, friends he's lost, people he's fought. So, you know, it depends on where at that point in the timeline do you put him is what's important. So, and there, you know, so age does become a bit of a factor. I mean, we know he, his age, and we know his aging process is way, way out of whack, but, um, you know, you can't, I understand, Keanu Reeves, if, you know, certainly has maintained his looks. It's not like he, yeah. you know, you, you couldn't peg him on a certain age. I understand that, but, huh. um, it would be I, a different Wolverine too. Like it would be a, maybe a Wolverine who doesn't talk very much, which is more really, really like Wolverine doesn't talk very much, right? Like he's a feral kind of, um, messed up guy, like he's always confused in his head because his memories have been wiped out. Like, yeah, I can see, like, uh, I can see you really creating a cool Wolverine character. It is too soon, probably though. I, it, I, and I, I don't think we're probably going to end up seeing Keanu as Wolverine, but I think he could do a great job if if it did happen. Anyway, and I still feel I think- that they should bring back the uh, the girl from Logan. To be the new Wolverine, like I absolutely said, agree. I absolutely that little girl as X twenty three was such a great character, yeah. and she deserved her spinoff. She deserved a spinoff. Uh, she deserved her 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 own movie. I thought, um, and uh, I think that's a great loss that 100%. that we're not going to get any. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, um, I was going to say, or maybe we just don't make Wolverine movies. You know what I mean? Like maybe we're, we're good, right? Yep. Like there's a, you know, it doesn't, there's no guarantee. Anytime you hear anybody's name attached to a certain character, it usually ends up being a different character, but in the same universe. So don't, you know, count, uh, Ken Reeves out yet of, of playing a Marvel character, but it may, may or may not be Wolverine is, is all I'm saying. True that, true that, true that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well, with that guys, we got to wrap up soon. Is, is there anything else? <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Is there anything, uh, anything else that we wanted to talk about? Get off our chest before we wrap up. Uh, uh, Child's Play comes out this weekend. Jeremy, you promised to watch it. Let's oh, do this. Yeah, we're going to see Child's Play. I'm going to actually go see Child's Play. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Are we going to go together or what? Uh, we Am will I try make, to work it out. We uh, will try to work it out. I'm making Mark Hamill does the Mark Hamill does the voice. That's right. If you want, yep, that's yep. We're going to be excited about that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you want to go like when it opens. Then I probably won't be able to go with you, but. Yeah. Um, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out and we'll, we'll get a review of child's play up very soon. Sounds good. Um, next week, I think we're going to be talking to my friend, uh, Johnny Mac from England, uh, who runs, uh, uh, Ninja Penguins geek fun page on Facebook. Uh, he's really, mm-hmm. really interesting guy. He's going to have a lot, lot to talk about. Um, but keep an eye, keep an eye in the box office this weekend. There's, there's some people that think Toy Story Four is going to make more money than than Episode Nine. So keep an eye in the box office. Whoa, weekend. okay, right. I'm interested to see what how Toy Story Four is going to do. I actually think it's going to underperform. So let's 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 wait and see how that goes. Steve, uh-huh. please come back soon. Please come back as often as you want. Um, you know, Where can I would have reach you. Uh, don't bother. It's fine. Okay. Is there, yeah. is, do, you, don't, do, you have, don't, do you have any work coming up that you want to talk don't about? Reach that me. We yeah, don't reach for? me. Uh, nothing I can talk about yet. No. All right. I'll I'll link you on Facebook when I post the episode. If people want to find you, they can find you. And you hate that. I'm, I'm easy, sorry. I'm easy to <laughs> Is it hard to find anybody nowadays? No. 
it's no, not. it's not. It's not. You look look at theforce.net. He's number four from the top of the masthead there. there uh, that's where you could find Steve Dunk. And, um, you know, you could find me and Kev here every episode. Um, and, of course, you can find uh, Ms. Jackson. <laughs> and one question, one question from her. That's the end. Uh, that's all for that's all for episode nineteen, Janet. Um, thank you, Steve. And, You're welcome. Uh, yeah, thanks thank for having you me on. Much. Later. Yeah. No, that was fun. That was fun. I, I had a good time. Thanks for having me on. All right, yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. anytime, anytime. We will do this again soon. That's all for episode nineteen. Uh, so you know, just chill <laughs> until the next episode. What's your name? My name is Jeremy Dove, aka JD the MC. With me as always is my partner, DJ Kevin Evans. Kevin Decatur, Will, Kevin Evans. Our guest tonight was Steve Dunn from Force.net. On Stokerchoke.com, you can find that podcast. Fill up. I'll link it. Yeah, I think it's good. Until next time, Kevin. On Nerd and Up Nerd. Peace out. Thank you for listening.